Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Let me be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Let me bring forth much fruit to the praise and glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord. I will listen and obey. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 1 onwards. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Socho, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Socho and Zechah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. And you see the Philistines coming up against the children of Israel and they're positioning themselves in one location. And the people of Israel are positioning themselves in another location. Now verse 3. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. So you have a mountain where the Philistines are standing and you have a mountain where the Israelites are standing and there's a valley in the middle. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Sorry for the interruption. It's extremely hot over here, burning hot, so I just told her to shut the heat off. So now they... Praise Lord. No, in case uh, someone doesn't have another translation, you're wondering about the cubit business. They estimate something at least nine feet tall, somewhere in that area. You're talking about a man who is nine feet tall. You talk about a basketball player who may be seven feet tall, maybe a little bit more. This man is nine feet tall. So he was really somebody who was fearsome to look at. Yes. Praise God. So this man called Goliath, a champion, went out from the camp of the Philistines. And he has a name here, Goliath. And he's from a certain place called Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. As Pastor Pradeep said now, over nine feet tall. And he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. We know whatever he was wearing was very heavy. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaven beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield bearer went before him. Now he is fully armed. He is huge, and whatever he's wearing is also very, very heavy. About a, it's about 125 pounds he's actually carrying as a coat of armor. Yeah. Imagine how his body would have been very strong. He's a giant. And if his clothing weighs that much, imagine how he would have been. And this guy then, verse 8 says, Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you 
come out to line up for battle. Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. This is unusual. Now, you have a kingdom come up against another kingdom and they fight. That's what the people of Israel would have thought. They said, okay, the Philistines are coming and standing over here. They're going to fight with us. Let's go and fight with them. And they go and position themselves. Now, suddenly, an unexpected challenge is coming before the people of Israel. Something that they never thought. Something that they would have never imagined. Something that they never experienced. Something new. They're facing a challenge which is out of the ordinary, which is new, which they've never faced before. Suddenly this huge giant comes there and he says, Why are you all coming out to fight against us? Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you the servants of Saul? And he says, You guys... Don't waste your time and all of you coming and fighting. Just send one person. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. So he's so confident that no one can overpower him. No one can win over him. He knows that no one can fight this battle and overcome and have victory over Goliath. He's so confident. He said, send somebody here. Let one person come and fight against me and overcome. So he says, if somebody is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. That means it's a one person fight. And if someone fights and he kills me, then all my people will be your servants. If I kill you, then all your people will be your servants. Now, if you think about it, it's a big risk because the whole thing depends on one person. If that person fails, the entire nation will go into slavery, bondage. This guy is so confident. He's so confident in his appearance. He's so confident in his strength. He's so confident in his skills of battle. He was not just a big giant who's just around like a potato and he, he doesn't know how to fight and he's just coming and trying to threaten people with his appearance. No. He is a skilled warrior. He knows how to fight. So he has this physical appearance that can scare people. And he also has this war skills to back him up where he can really overcome or overpower anyone so easily. And he has all these armor and the equipments that he needed to fight war strategies that he knew he was well prepared to fight with that one person. That's why he's challenging. He's challenging the people of God. Now, hey, send me one person. Now, you look at the people of Israel. They were not ready for this challenge. They had no idea as to how to fight this giant. Just to see him was scary. Hearing him was scarier. And now for him to come and say that send me one person, people, first of all, For them to go and get slaughtered, they will not want to. Secondly, for them to be the cause for the entire nation to actually go into slavery, they don't want to be that person. Everybody is in fear. Now, 
Now, let's just read this, verse 9. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Sounds very easy, right? Very easy for Goliath. Because Goliath is huge. He can intimidate people. You know, if you put fear in someone, that itself can weaken them to the extent that even if they are a skilled warrior, fear can completely paralyze a person to the extent that they will not be able to overcome. So the appearance of Goliath, the voice of Goliath, the words of Goliath, everything is working towards putting fear in the other person. Now, look what he's saying, verse 10. And the Philistines said, he didn't just give the challenge and he didn't just back you know, back up and he didn't say, okay, I'm just going to wait here. If you send somebody, let's fight. Let's see. He didn't do that. But he is going further. Verse 10, and the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. He's going forward and he's speaking more words of fear into the people of Israel. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. What happened? They're hearing this guy speak. And when they hear this guy speak, they are full of fear. They didn't know what to do. And what did they do is the question. Now you face a situation, you face your enemy, and your enemy is too strong for you. What do you do at that circumstance is very, very, very important. The enemy is real. The threat is real. The challenge is real. Now we can't live in a, in an imaginary world saying that, well, I don't believe Goliath doesn't exist. You know, it's all in the head. You can say that. When you have an enemy right in front of you. When you see your relative dying from cancer. You can't say, well, I don't believe that cancer exists. You can't say that. When you see your health decline, you can't say that, well, I don't believe that this is happening to me. You're not living in the real world then. When you see problem after problem after problem, you can't say that, well, this is not happening and I don't believe that this is happening. What you believe really determines how you behave. Your belief system must be accurate. When there's a problem going on, you must believe that there is a problem. There's a real problem that is there. If I don't believe that there is a problem, then I'm not going to prepare myself to go against that problem. I'm not going to equip myself if I don't know what is happening and I don't assess the situation properly. I'm not going to be prepared for whatever I have to face. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Whatever situation you are in, make sure you know what is really happening. If you don't see what is really happening, you're not going to be able to overcome. You're not going to be able to do something about it. I'm going to differentiate something that's very important here as the Holy Spirit wants me to. The problem is real. The threat is real. The challenge is real. The fight is real. You have the entire army of the Philistines standing here. You have the children of Israel, the army of the people of God standing here. Now, with all these things here facing, think about it. 
if someone is in a state of denial, saying that this doesn't exist, is it going to solve the problem? No. It's only going to make it worse because you are not in a position to do anything about it because you're saying that I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Many people are like that. They say, well, I don't believe that this is there. I don't believe that that is there. Even though they're seeing it, they say, I don't believe it. We should never live in a state of self-denial because that's delusion. When you see a problem, we have to admit that we have a problem. Only when you admit that you have a problem, you will need a problem solver there. You can't say, well, I have Jesus, so I don't believe what I see. No. You see what is there, and you see your God who is bigger than that. And you get him involved in that picture, and you overcome it. Never live in a state of denial. People think that if they admit that they have a problem, that means they are not believing and it's unbelief. That's not true. If you see there's a problem, you're being real, you're being truthful. Yes, I have a problem. But if you take that problem and keep your eyes on that problem and say, oh, I have a problem, oh, I have a problem, and sing songs about the problem, that's when you will begin to sink. You look at the disciples, they looked at the winds and the waves, and the moment they saw that, when they got afraid, what did they do? Do They went and they woke Jesus up. Well, if I see a problem, I have to do something about it. Now, with the disciples, they knew Jesus was in the boat. With Jesus in the boat, that boat is never going to go down. The problem is really real, but their faith should have been on Jesus. That he is here, nothing is going to happen. We must never live in a state of self-denial. We must understand this is going on, but my God is greater. This is happening, but my God will give me the victory. Our faith has to be placed on the problem solver, not on the problem itself. But we should never live in a state of denial, saying that, well, I don't believe it. I don't believe this is there. Us saying that we don't believe this is there is not going to wipe away the problem. It's only going to make it worse because we're not getting the help that we need. May God speak to our hearts at this hour. Never live in a state of denial. Because living in a state of denial will cause your wound to get infected more. It'll cause the germs to eat up your flesh even more. If you don't treat your condition, if you don't treat your pain, if you don't treat your problem, if you don't treat your sickness, if you don't treat your heartache, if you don't treat your disease, if you don't treat your disorder, if you don't treat your sin, if you don't treat yourself by bringing God Almighty into the picture you're going to live in a state of sickness you're going to live in a state of delusion where the sickness will get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse when you say that well I can manage I can manage I can manage I can manage we can say I can manage but can we in this case the children of Israel we're no way no position to be able to manage Goliath because now they have to do something about it Have you been through a place or been in a position where you have to make a decision that you cannot escape out of it? I've been through that. Where you're pressed on every side. You need God right then at that moment to show you what needs to be done. To speak to you. To do a miracle for you. To help you. We need God. There are situations where you can't escape. Well, you can't say that, well, let Goliath shout and I'm going to not 
um, think about Goliath and I'm going to turn the other way, let him shout and you just face the other direction. Is that going to take away the problem? No. You have the Philistines closing in more. You have to do something that would shut down Goliath for good. That's what God wants to teach you today. That's what God wants to show you today. Staying away from the problem is not going to solve the problem. Diverting yourself from the problem is not going to solve the problem. Bringing distractions in is not going to solve the problems. You know what it's going to do? It's going to cause the problem to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally, it'll explode. When it explodes, you will not be able to contain it because the pieces will fall all over. You know, like people who don't want other people to know that they have cancer. They won't tell anyone anything. And then what happens? One day, one day, it gets to a place where you can't hide it anymore. When the person dies, everybody knows that they died of cancer. How foolish it is. When you could have gotten the help that you needed, if you'd have just humbled yourself, if you'd have just sought the help that you needed, then the whole problem would have solved just because the person died and the person is no longer there, does it mean that they took away that stigma of cancer? No. Every problem has a stigma attached to it because the problem comes from Satan. Every disorder, every confusion has a stigma, has a stench attached to it. There's nothing good about problems, nothing good about diseases, nothing good about any kind of unhealthy mindset. Nothing good. It has a stench attached to it. Now, having leprosy all over and wearing a long sleeve shirt is not going to help you. You need healing. You need healing. The the itch is there. The sting is there. The stench is there. Everything is there. Just spraying perfume all over, spraying it is not going to really help you because once it gets Worse and worse, when the stench comes out more, no amount of perfume is going to cover that. So what is the best way to go about? What is the best thing to do? The best thing is to get it treated before it gets worse. Before it gets to a place where you can't control it. Before it gets to a place where you can't treat it. You need to take care of it. Do it now. Humble yourself in the sight of God. Seek the help that you need now, not tomorrow. Because tomorrow everything can explode and the stench can be everywhere. See, covering it up is not the solution. It's not. Whether you have a bad heart or whether you have a bad skin or whether you have a bad liver, whether you have a bad stomach, whatever it is, bad brain, whatever it is. Covering it up is not the right way to go about it. Because suddenly... Things will get worse at a rapid pace. Suddenly, the explosion will take place. Suddenly, everything will come to a crash. We don't want that. We want healing. We want deliverance. We want to overcome. We want the Goliath in our lives to come down once and for all. It's necessary. Like I said, we can't ignore Goliath. We can't say, well, I'm going to tune Goliath's voice and I'm going to play the music on my, on my, um, speaker, loudspeaker, whatever. And I'm going to be dancing all day, night and day. 
when Goliath is shouting, oh Goliath, I'm going to ignore you. You know what will happen? Goliath will come closer and closer and closer to you. He'll throw a javelin at you while you turn your back to Goliath and keep on singing. Pretending that Goliath doesn't exist. How foolish that would be. We need the power of God to knock Goliath down. You ignoring a problem or pretending that the problem doesn't exist will put you in a place where you can be slaughtered by the enemy. Even just saying a scripture here, a scripture there, a scripture here, a scripture there is really not going to do much because there's something more that is necessary, which we're going to see in a few minutes. The Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts at this hour. This Philistine was speaking so loudly, his appearance was so big. The fear that he was putting into the children of Israel was so real. You know why? This man was not only huge. What he had was not only big, but he was full of the devil. Inspired by the devil, he came and stood there, defying the armies of the people of God. And the army represents the armies of God. These are the people of God. Who is he thereby defying? He's defying the living God. Now, think about this. With all these things happening, do we have verse 12 here? Which says that, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard them. Do we hear that? No. We don't see this here. We don't have verse 12 here about what Saul and his people did. And they all fasted and prayed together. No. And they all said, our God is greater. Let's go and see what our God will say. No, we don't see a verse which says, and Saul called the priest, so, and Saul called to know the will of God. We don't see this here. That is absent here. What are they doing? They're all afraid. So what do you think they would have been doing? Hearing the voice of Goliath, replaying the voice of Goliath in their heads, listening to Goliath, replaying, talking about Goliath to their neighbors, talking about Goliath to their spouses, talking about Goliath with the king, and the king is talking about Goliath with his men. And what is happening? The whole camp is full of fear because it was inspired by the devil. And what is happening? The spirit of fear is just hovering over the tents of the people of Israel. Saul's tent and the tents of the people of Israel. Think about it. You let the devil come in, he'll come in with a mighty force. You let the devil come in, he will come in with a mighty force. Goliath is real. Behind Goliath, the devil who is working through Goliath is even more real. You just can't see Sometimes. Now, something is happening in verse 12. Now, David was a son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. Now, you see the three brothers' names are here, the names of these his three sons who went to the battle were, were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. Now you have the three sons who went to the battle who were warriors. David was a shepherd. He was the youngest 
boy. And the three who are with Saul, they're all filled with fear. David, the youngest in the household of David, was also sent to the camp. Now, we see verse 15, in verse 15, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So he was going back and forth, giving food or whatever, doing whatever his father wanted him to do. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Now, 40 days this is happening. 40 days. Can you think about this? This is happening for 40 days, morning and evening. And there's not a single verse that said Saul and his people sought the God of Israel. They're all full of fear. They're hearing Goliath's voice. But they failed to hear the voice of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is way bigger than Goliath, and who is their shepherd. God is their king. They didn't go to God. Think about it. They were full of fear. It's not like how David said, what time I'm afraid I'll trust in you. No. They gave room to fear to the extent that they didn't even seek God. They had no hope even going to God. If you allow the enemy to overtake you, he'll completely shut you down to the extent where you can't even get up. It'll be very difficult at that point. You have to understand that when you see the enemy, you need to see the enemy for who he is and look at God who is bigger than the enemy. And you have to go to God right away. Have like a two-second rule. Not a ten-second rule. A two-second rule. When Satan comes and attacks your mind... When Satan comes and says, well, this is going to happen to you. Don't give the enemy more than two seconds. The reason why I'm saying two seconds is one second when the thought comes, the next second you get him out. Don't give any time for the enemy. When you hear the voice of the enemy saying that, well, your son is going to die, your daughter is going to die, your life is over, God is not going to hear your prayer. Well, you're doomed and this is never going to happen. This is never, your marriage is never going to prosper. And your husband is never going to change. Your wife is never going to change. And your kids are never going to change. And, and all the never, 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 when you hear that, the more you listen, the more nevers will Satan say, speak. And because it's the words of the, words are the enemy, it'll just drown you in depression. It'll drown you in anxiety. It'll drown you in a flood of negative spirits where you cannot get up. You give your neck to the enemy, he'll make sure he'll hold you tight and make sure he'll immerse you in sorrow, immerse you in depression and not let you ever lift your head up. Never give the enemy even a second. The moment you hear it, the next thing you have to immediately react. Immediately react. If you don't, he will overtake you. 40 days and 40 nights, these fellows didn't do anything about what the enemy was doing. Imagine every day hearing night and day, night and day, night and day, giving more power to Goliath, giving more power to Goliath, giving more power to Goliath. 
obviously when David was coming, Goliath was not there yelling and screaming. Otherwise he would have stopped him the first day. When David came, the whole thing changed. You have an entire nation hearing this night and day. Not doing a thing about it. Have you been in such a place? So many problems. But still, you haven't sought the Lord with all your heart. So many problems. It's just pushing you down. You try to mask it with other things. Come to a place where you're not able to cover it up anymore. God is speaking to a heart at this hour. 40 days, night and day. The Philistine came and he presented himself. Well, when he came and presented himself, the children of Israel were not able to present their God before that Philistine. What a shame. What a shame. Distracting yourself from the problem is not the way to go. Like I said, if the enemy is facing you and you say, I don't want to face him, I'm going to face the other way and I'm going to do the other things, I'm going to ignore. Ignoring the enemy is not the way to go because when you ignore him, you know what he'll do? He'll throw his javelin right on your back. It'll kill you. Turning the other way and pretending that the enemy doesn't exist is not the solution. You need to be a brave soldier and do what God has told you to do. God has told you to do. Submit to God and resist the devil. You need to be a fighter. The real fighters will never show their backs to the enemy. Real fighter will take this sword and they'll fight. That's what God has called his people to do. Real soldiers will get up and go and stand before the enemy will not hide themselves, will not entertain themselves and get slaughtered. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. There's no verse that said what the children of Israel did. There's only one verse that says they were all scared. That's about it. Then Jesse said to his son, David, now 40 days this is happening. God is moving David's father to send David to go there, even though to give food, but using that as an occasion to see the problem. David didn't get to see the problem before that. So David is taking now the bread and the cheese and whatever the dad gave. And he's going to see his brother's. He knows there's something happening. What is happening? He didn't know anything. He was with his sheep. He was the youngest in the household. Nobody gave him any news. Dad didn't tell him anything. Nobody said anything. "Ah, He's a little fellow. He doesn't need to know all of these things. Everybody's scared. We don't want to tell him anything. Don't give bad news. You know, there are people, so much will be going on, but they will not open their mouth and tell someone else so that they can get the help that they need. They say, well, I don't want to bother. I don't want to say this negative news to somebody and and make them go down. Well, when you need help, you need help. It's time for you to speak. It's time for you to reach out. It's time for you to get what you need so that you don't get slaughtered. David didn't know what he was, what was happening. David was anointed already by God. Even though... They knew they were not taking it seriously. 
from David's brothers to David's father, he was still a little fellow. And so, he was just given some job to do, just go and see how they are and bring back the news to me. And now, verse 19, Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Now you have this challenge there and these people are fighting over here. Well, what kind of a battle are they fighting? A losing battle because the challenge is really there. Goliath is coming and shouting every day, morning and night. So this challenge has not been removed. Somebody has to come. Somebody has to fight. Otherwise, this is going to continue. We're going to lose more people. We're going to lose more sleep. We're not going to be with the families in the house. You're going to be out there in the battlefield day and night. Someone has to come and stop this. God is asking you this question. Will you be that person? Are you going to be among the rest of the crowd? Who is fighting unnecessary battles. That's what it is. The main battle is with Goliath. These people are fighting with the Philistines because they're afraid to go here. Did this bring that battle to an end? No. No. When did it actually end? When the challenge was met. Don't fight battles that are not necessary. Fight battles that are necessary. Don't ignore the battles that are necessary and fight unnecessary battles. Verse 20, So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. It's a very important verse, this verse is, because David was a very responsible young man. When he had to go, he made sure that he left his sheep with someone who's reliable, trustworthy. That's why God was able to trust him with his people. Very obedient. When his father told him to do something, he was very obedient. That's why God was able to give him a huge responsibility. You need to be trustworthy and you need to be obedient. These two qualities are very important. You can't be obedient if you have pride. You can't be trustworthy if you are tricky. You need to be trustworthy and you need to be obedient. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Such love you can see in his heart for his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So he's hearing this. Something that he never heard before. Something that the rest of the people in the battlefield, so-called warriors and king, they were hearing it for 40 days and 40 nights. Something that David never heard before. They didn't do anything about it because they are full of fear. But David is hearing the exact same words. So David heard them. This sentence is very important because it changed the destiny of Israel. And it changed the destiny of David that day. Because he did something about the problem. 
He was not someone who ignored the problem. He, he was not someone who lived in denial of the problem. He didn't say that, well, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, there are some people. They'll be sinking. While they're sinking, the pride is so high, they say, well, I'm doing good. Praise be to God. I'm doing good. Really? What is that praise be to God, by the way? Will God even accept those praises when he knows that you're sinking? And you are saying praise be to God out of pride and it's not real praises that close to God. How can you get the help that you need? You can't. Only when you humble yourself, grace will abound over those who are humble. For God resists the proud. You never want God to become your enemy. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. David heard the voice of Goliath and he heard his words. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to to defy Israel. It shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Now, God is moving someone to tell David what David needed to know. He's giving David the information that David should get in order for God to exalt David, in order for God to save this nation, in order for God to honor David for his faith in God. See, all his secret prayers and all his sincerely seeking God in the secret. God has brought a time where he was going to reward David openly. No one knew that David killed the bear. No one knew that David killed the lion. David was not somebody who said, well, today, look at me, people. I killed a bear. Let me post it on Instagram, Facebook, and all social media. Look at me with a picture. I killed a bear. That's the time that we're living in, where people want to show themselves more. David was not like that. No one knew. He was not even going and trumpeting in his own house. We're saying, hey, look at me. Hey, brothers, look at me. Look what I did. No. He kept everything to himself until the day came and to the person that God wanted to use him in order to get what he needed to get. Not to just go and boast about his achievements, no. But to be able to use that experience to get to Goliath, to bring Goliath down. How many of us can hide ourselves in Jesus? To really have that nature, have that restraint, to really take everything that God has given, keep it until God says, use it in this place so that this will be used for my glory to get you to where you need to in order for you to bring that Goliath down. Only that place. He didn't go and tell everybody. He could have gone and told the whole town over there. Hey, did you know I killed a lion? Hey, did you know I killed a bear? You know, it could have fed the ego of the person, made the person feel like a hero. But you know what? God's will wouldn't have been accomplished. Because God is looking for people who will hide themselves in him. Who is not looking for fame. Who is not looking for a name. Who is not looking for popularity. Who is not looking for applause. Who is not looking for hundred people to say, hey, you're a hero. David was looking towards God. 
when he killed a bear, he didn't feel like, oh, I'm a hero, I did this. Oh, I killed a lion, I'm a hero, I did this. His whole thing is, God was with me. God caused me to do this. Thank God my lamb was saved. That was his goal. His whole goal was to save the lamb. I saved the lamb. Thank God the lamb was saved. It's not about publicizing his heroic work. No. It was not like, look at me. No, he didn't do it so that people can look at him. Or he didn't publish it so that people can look at him. His whole thing was, the lamb has to be saved and that's saved. Praise God. We need to be simple and innocent like that. Not look to be seen and heard, but really to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish and to be under his shadow, to be within him. When we are under the mighty hand of God in due time, God will lift us up and that too, the murder should be for him so we can accomplish more for him. It's not to be seen and heard, but it's for God to be glorified, for God's kingdom to expand, it's for God to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in and through our lives. David is a very good example. Very contrary to the strategies that people use in this world, say that, well, you need to have network, well, you need to have good connections, well, you need to have good advertising, well, you need to have good publicity, well, It doesn't, it works in the world, in this little world system where Satan will push people to feed their ego and give them little candies. But when it comes with things of God, it doesn't work that way. For the kingdom of God is not built by hands. The kingdom of God is not built with advertising and network. The kingdom of God is not built by man's ideas. The kingdom of God is not built on worldly principles inspired by Satan. But the kingdom of God is built by the hands that we cannot see. Whose builder and maker is God. The kingdom of God is built by God's hands. The kingdom of God is built by God's power. When we hide ourselves in Jesus, we can build something lasting by The big hands holding our little hands. Our little hands go right inside his big hands. He does the building. We don't have to be seen. We don't have to be seen at all. If we can accomplish great things for God being hidden in him. And Jesus being seen. And do great things for God. God will surely place us in places of honor. Where we can benefit his kingdom where he will honor those who honor him. See, if you go looking for honor, you will get honor from the people of this world who live today and die tomorrow. What a waste. But if you look for honor that comes from God, that means God becomes everything to you, that he becomes your passion, that it's not about your face being seen. It's not about your voice being heard. It's not about people acknowledging and appreciating what you're doing. No. It's about being hidden in him. There's a beauty to it. There's a glory to it. It's about being hidden in Christ. It's about letting Christ breathe through you. It's about letting Christ live through you. It's about that sweet surrender and telling Lord, Lord, you do whatever you want to do. I just want to be hidden in you. And God will cause you to bring down a bear. God will cause you to bring down many lions. God will cause you to bring down many Goliaths. God will give you many, many, many victories. 
if you don't make it about yourself. If you don't use what God has given to you, the victories that God has given to you to promote yourself or to manipulate others. But you just lay it at his feet because it came from him. God will use it for his glory. David was someone who didn't go after the things of this world. Whatever victories he got, it was between him and God until the time came. I want you to go home and read the rest of it. I'm not going to read the rest of it as the Holy Spirit wants me to bring this to a close over here. But definitely do read the rest of it. The honor that God gave to David, who was hidden, who kept the achievements that God gave to him, by the Spirit of God working through him, by the training that God gave him. He didn't just put all the training out and say, hey, look at me, hey, look, all the achievements I got through my training. No, everything was hidden. And then there was a time when God used all of that to take him before Saul and to tell it to Saul, not to, not for David to hype himself up, no, for Saul to know that God has caused him to do this so that Saul could place him before Goliath. So that God can use that to work in Saul, so that Saul can place David before Goliath, so that Israel can get the victory. So that God can be glorified, so that David can bring that Goliath down. David paid a price. He trusted God and he put his life on the line, not expecting for him to die, but expecting Goliath to die. God honored him. That's why you have the women of Israel singing, Saul killed a thousand and David killed 10,000. That was an honor given by God to David. All the secret achievements that he never publicized, that he kept between himself and God. And his heart was only to please God. His heart was to keep the sheep that God gave. His heart was not to let a single animal take the sheep. He laid down his life for that little lamb, for that little sheep. He never said that, well, I'm too important. I'm not going to go and fight with that, with that lion. Let it take that sheep and let the bear take. No, he was very responsible. Nobody was seeing. Even his dad and his mom would have said, if he would have told that I did this, they would have said, hey, don't be foolish. Don't risk your life. You are very important to us. Forget about the lamb, they would have said. But David was not like that. He was filled with the Spirit of God. God was training him. He was not somebody who was just running for every line that he can find to hunt it down so that he can get a name for himself. No. But he knew that God was training him and he kept certain things between him and God. He didn't put it out there. He didn't go around saying that I'm excited. I want everybody to know what happened today. He was someone who had the self-control. He was someone who had the power over his mouth. No matter how excited he was, he knew that it all came from God. And my joy is the lamb was spared. My joy is God helped me to protect that lamb, to fight for that lamb. I'm so happy that the lamb is, is saved more than what I achieved. That the lamb was rescued. Our vision, the way we look at things must change. What God wants us to see, that's what we need to say. Where God wants us to use what God did through us, that's where we must use use it, put it to use. We should be hidden in Christ. And God brought honor to David where God brought. When he brings it, he brings it in a big way. Because David didn't go after it, you see. If you don't go after it, 
what God wants to do to glorify his name through you, because the light has to shine, right? If the light shines, others will see. And when others see it, they'll benefit from it. Israel benefited from David. They knew at that point, God is with this man. Next time a battle comes, David will be the one to lead. Because they didn't have that before. Saul was chosen by God, but Saul made everything about himself after that. Even when the prophet came, it was all about Saul. He didn't listen. He was someone who always thought, what will the people think about me? What will the people think about me? He lost his kingdom as a result of that. His whole focus was himself. But David was very different. David's focus was God. It was not about himself. Whatever he did, he did it unto the Lord alone. Even his dad and his brothers think that he was that important. When when Samuel came to anoint one of his sons to make him the king of Israel, nobody even thought about David. That's how they esteemed David. They say he's a little one, little one. But that little one was big in the sight of God. God is speaking to your hearts this hour. The most important thing is not for everybody to know who we are and what we have and what we can do and what we, you know, can accomplish. No. What does God know about you? Samuel came and stood there and he did not let anyone sit until that little fellow was brought. That's how important that little fellow was to God. Not to the family, but to God. Now think about it, which is important. What the family thinks or what God thinks. What God thinks is the most important thing. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. In due time, God will lift you up so that you can be a blessing to others. Don't make anything about yourself. God is almighty, all-powerful. What you do for God should be pure. Your motive should be pure. Unto the Lord, unto God. If God sees what I do, and if he acknowledges and appreciates that, that's enough. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. All our motives will be sifted in that big sieve. Whatever we do for God will be sifted in that big sieve. Is it going to stand or is it going to fall through? Are we going to be like Saul, have a crown on our head? And everybody says, hey, I was King Saul. But when Goliath comes, we're not able to do anything. We have a big following, but we don't have God by our side. Then there comes the little one. He doesn't have a crown. He doesn't have an army. But he had the armies of the living God next to him. He was able to stand before Goliath. He was able to bring him down. And all Israel saw at that point, because that was God's time to honor David, was hidden all along. God is speaking to your hearts today. Don't worry about who sees, who hears. That shouldn't be of concern to you at all. How many people know, how many people don't know, shouldn't be a concern to you at all. As long as you do the will of God, As long as your goal is to please God, that should be enough 
And the Lord who sees you in secret will reward you openly. But your motive should not be, well, I'm going to do these things in secret. I'm hoping that God will one day reward me openly. That motive is not pure either. Take your focus off of yourself. Live for Jesus. That's what matters. Live for Jesus. That's what matters. Whatever you do, do it unto God, not unto man. When God blesses you with something, don't flaunt it before others because it's not for that. If it's precious, keep it within yourself. Stay humble. Let God see you. You want to be big in the sight of God? You really need to display humility wherever you go. Not seek name, not seek fame, not go after money, not go after pleasure. If you really want to be great in the sight of God, you really need to be humble, become a nobody in the sight of man. In God's time, God will lift you up. When he lifts you up, it'll be a grand elevation. But you don't do it for that. Your motive has to be pure. It has to be loving God out of a pure heart. It has to be serving God out of a pure heart. It has to be living for Jesus out of a pure heart. Being hidden in Christ. In Christ we see and heard. And that is a prayer that I pray all the time. Lord, when I stand before people, I don't want to be seen and hurt. I don't want, I don't want my voice to be heard. I don't want my face to be seen. I don't want any part of me to be seen at all. Dissolve completely, be a zero in you, Lord. Only you need to be seen and heard. That's when, when I hear the testimonies, even with our songs that the Lord has given me on WhatsApp, when I hear people say that, that it causes them to connect with God. That's what we want. We want people to be instantly directed to God. When they hear the word instantly, it has to connect them with God. What God has spoken. That's how our lives should be. What God wants to do, He will do. What we should do has to be a pure sacrifice to God. Wherever we go, we represent Christ. You know how we represent Christ? How we should represent Christ? Not go and say, hey, I'm a representative of Christ. Look at me. Look at all the gifts I have and look at the word I have and look at the talents I have and look what God is doing through me. Well, let me tell you, God will not be there at all. The presence of God will leave just like that. Because you know what is all over? Me is all over at that point. How do we represent Christ? We represent Christ by hiding ourselves in him. It is no longer I that liveth. It is no longer I who lives. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I am crucified with Christ. I do live. It's a human being that lives. But you know what? That human being is dominated by Christ who lives in me. The one who lives in me is so powerful. He's just radiating. When he shines through, we disappear. You look at a sun and see, can you really see anything? You just see brightness coming out of the sun. That's what we need to be. 
We need to be people where the brightness of Christ shines through, that we just disappear and all people can see is the brightness that comes from us and the benefit that they can receive from the brightness that comes from us. If that is not that, what is the point? What is the point of us even trying to project ourselves when we can't really do much? If Christ can shine through, he can touch the lives of people. We're doing a little bit here, a little bit there, getting an award here and getting this there, getting that there. It's all going to perish. As Apostle Paul says this, we're not running this race for a perishable crown, paper crown, or even a metal crown here. Some plaques, hang it there in your wall. I can hang my degrees on my wall. I can hang all my achievements on my wall. You know, it's a good thing. If God has given, glory be to God, you can hang it as a testimony in your wall. There's nothing wrong with it. But let me tell you, the plaques can stay for some time. Once I'm gone, someone comes, it can go in the garbage can. What you do for God, that's going to stand. You know, how many people have businesses? And it's sad to see where the kids don't want to have anything to do with the business. They work so hard to maintain that. The kids will come and just burn it down in seconds once the person is gone. Why? It doesn't last. Nothing lasts. You know, we've heard a lot of stories about people having farms and working so hard and then the kids want nothing to do with that. Gone. They have such a nice house and they want to build it and, you know, we have somebody like that in our street. One man living in that big house. And we know once that man is gone, the house is going to be gone. Their kids don't want it. They live in different places. They just want the money and after that they'll put it on the market, they'll sell it, they'll fight for that money and once they get that money, it'll just be gone in minutes. That's it. Only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do for Christ will last. Being great in the sight of God is the wisest decision one can make. In order for that to happen, we need to deliberately hide ourselves in Christ, do everything we can to cover ourselves with him so that his glory can be seen in and through us. That's the only way his glory can be seen. There's no competition here. We need to be hidden in him so that he can be seen through us. You want your life to be of use? Do you want to be something in this world so that you can have eternal value? then you have to do the wisest thing, the very thing that David did, which gave him that power to go and stand before Goliath because he was someone who was in secret, talking to God, secret, being trained by God, in secret, doing exploits for God, in secret, in secret, in secret. Then the time came when God, who trained him in secret, took him. Now he brings him to the platform. Why? Because he knows even when he puts him on that platform, David is still going to be hidden in God. We need to be like that so that we'll continue to let God 
shine through us. Whether we're in a closet or whether we're placed in a palace after that, after being tested, we will still let Christ shine through us. May God help us to live in this world, to be great in the sight of God as John the Baptist did, as David did. Like I said a few minutes ago, God through Samuel did not let his father, his mother, his brothers sit until David was brought there. He was great in the sight of God. Not in the sight of his family, but in the sight of God. Will that be enough for you? Are you getting offended by people when they don't respect you, when they don't honor you, when they don't give you that prominent seat or even a seat? Are you so offended by people so easily? All those have to go. If you want Jesus to shine through you, they all have to go. We need to be like David. Be great in the sight of God. Be hidden in him. Whether you get a seat or you don't get a seat, you don't take offense to anything. Whether somebody wishes you good morning, they like you or not, it shouldn't touch you at all. Because you're not living for them. You should be able to love them. In order for that to happen, you need to be with God. How did David become the David he became? How did David become the David that we see? Here, so hidden in God that God's power was manifested in him at such a young age. How? Because of his walk with God. The more intimate you are with God, the more you will have Christ upon you. The more you walk with him, the more your eyes will be fixed on you and it will not be on yourself. At that point, nothing will face you. He was young. But he was a spiritual giant before God. Goliath was a giant externally, but David was a giant internally. With his internal strength, God being with him, he was able to bring down that external force. This is what God wants to do in and through you. If you have Christ inside of you and you walk with him, your strength on the inner man will be so strong. It'll bring down mountains. It'll raise up valleys. It'll bring down giants. Do great and mighty things in this life, on this side of eternity. And be useful in the hands of God. What are you going to do today? After hearing this word of God, what are you going to do today? Think about it. Are you going to live in a state of Denial? Are you continuing, are you going to continue to turn your back towards the enemy and occupy yourself with other things? Even Christian things, so to speak. Hoping that somehow the enemy will go, he will not. Or, are you going to take God to be your everything? And spend time in the presence of God. Receive that strength from Him. And have the character to be hidden in Him. And do great and mighty things for the Almighty God through the inner strength that God will pour into you. That your hands, though young physically, can do mighty things for God. Bring down lions. Bring down bears. Bring down Goliath. All those, all were accomplished by those young hands. With God's hand 
was over those hands. When David went and stood before Goliath, guess who stood with him? God Almighty stood with him. When David took that sling and that stone and he flung that, guess who was there? God was there. God brought the giant down through David. We don't have a story where it says that, well, David came and then God gave the victory. No, it clearly details. The description is there as to how David went and spoke. What David did. And what David did even the very last second when he was before Goliath. That's why the story is called David Kills Goliath. Because it was David who killed. God working through David. Through David's hands. Through David's body. Through David's mind. Through David's words. 40 days and 40 nights. The heathen blasphemed the living God. 40 days and 40 nights. He was speaking against the people of God. Nobody had the courage to do anything about it or the integrity to even stand up to tell the people, let's pray. No. They all distracted themselves by fighting with the Philistines on the other side. But David came. He looked at the situation. He opened his mouth and he spoke God's word over the words of the enemy. He went to where he needed to go. Persevere, did not let anyone stop him from going and standing before Saul. Only where he had to share what God did in and through him, he shared with Saul. Even there, he was hidden in God Almighty. If you want to shine for Jesus, you need to let him shine through you. If you want to shine for Jesus, you need to be hidden in him. So that his light can shine through you. You need to purpose in your heart. I don't want name. I don't want fame. I will not go after money. I'm not going to talk about myself. I'm not going to look for publicity. I'm not going to look for applause. I'm not going to have my voice heard and my face seen. I'm going to shut all those things down. And I'm going to Walk with God, and this is going to be my focus. I want to be great in the sight of God. If you're great in the sight of God, God will make a whole bunch of people who think they're important to stand up for you until you come. David didn't expect that. David didn't, you know, go and pray to God every day, say, Lord, somehow make me great in the sight of my parents. Somehow make me, you know, there's some people like that. They'll seek God so that they can somehow become great in the sight of men. I mean, God can answer your prayer in some way. If you're so desperate. But that's not the ultimate blessing. All the applause and merits that you can get on this earth will die very soon. Won't last. People, if they stand up for you based on what you did, next moment they will drown you. But if it comes from God, an honor that comes from God will stand because it will follow you all the way to glory if it comes from God. If you don't go after it. David was not after it. David was after the sheep and he was after God. Taking care of the sheep that God gave. God honored him. He who honors me, I will honor him, God says. And that honor came from God where he made them all stand until David came. That was an honor that came from God. God gave that rightfully to David there. 
And in front of all of them, God anointed David. And what did David do after that? They said that, hey, look at me. No, there was no look at me at all. After that, he went back to his sheep again. As if nothing ever happened. He just took it and he became more humble. He just said, it's me and God. And he just went back. Even when his brother said, over there, what's gotten into David? You're trying to show off your pride. You don't see David standing and telling you know who I am and you know my 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 exploits and I killed a bear, I killed... You don't see him talking even to his family there like that. No. No. David was a humble man. He was able to take all of that and keep quiet and, and his goal was to, I need to bring down that Goliath for God and he cannot blaspheme the living God. His relationship with God was so pure. How much more in the New Testament period? We can reflect Christ. If David could be like that, how much more? How much more? He knew how to keep himself. He didn't come and boast about himself anyway, even in the places where they tried to put him down, because that was not the place. It's not about David, you see. It was not about him. He didn't try to make himself bigger over there in front of his brothers. Hey, you don't know me? You don't know I'm walking with God? Hey, you don't know I killed the bear? I killed the lion? And you people are scared and I'm here to do something. And No. Because he was not proud. That's why he brought Goliath down. He didn't say anything to his brothers. Even to Saul, you don't see any proud word coming there. No. It was God who moved Saul to let David go and stand before Goliath. If you close your mouth and humble yourself, God will speak to rulers for you. God will speak to your spouse for you. God will speak to kings for you. God will speak to your subordinates for you. God will do that which is necessary to get the work of God done through you. Always remember, it's about God. When you make everything about God, then his work for your life will be accomplished. When you say, I'm making everything about God, but I'm also making it about me, it will not work that way. At that point, God will be out of the picture. We may think that we have God there, but he's not there. He's not there. May God speak to your hearts at this hour. As we close our eyes and look to the Lord. During this time, give yourself over to humility. Give yourself over to truly seeking God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength without an agenda of yours. Thank you, Jesus. Let Christ be seen and heard. If you want Christ to be seen and heard, your voice needs to go in the background, become non-existent virtually. If you want Christ to be seen, you need to become non-existent. Let Christ rule and reign over yourself. Thank you, Jesus. Strive to hide yourself in Christ. Strive to place that me, bury that me, bury that I, so that God can radiate through you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to take a few minutes in the presence of God.
God has spoken something very deep. He's spoken something very substantial today. Take some time in the presence of God. Give yourself over to the Lord. Examine yourself in the presence of God. How many times do you want to be seen and heard? How many times do you want others to know your opinion? How many times do you want others to know what you did? How many times do you want people to know that you're praying or you want people to know that you're reading? All those things should be between you and God. Jesus said, go to your prayer closet and pray. Don't do it just to show that you're doing it. Hide yourself in Christ. There's nothing wrong when you say that you're praying for someone in a prayer team. There's nothing wrong about that. You're letting somebody know that you're praying for them. There's nothing wrong about it. Check your motive. When you pray, Go to the prayer closet. Let God hear your voice. Did God see your works? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever you're doing, let it be unto God and unto God alone. Thank you, Jesus. Focus on your love relationship with God. Let it be pure and innocent and simple. Be simple. Don't complicate anything. Don't let the enemy rob the blessings that God has for you. By letting people dictate how you live, And you living for people's comments and what they think about you will rob your appreciation and acknowledgements from God Almighty. If you get your applause here, it's over. You got what you craved for from people. You won't get what you need to get from God. That's what my Jesus said. You don't want to go to heaven and see nothing there. God is speaking to your hearts at this hour. Before we know, we will have to say goodbye to this world. Some of us will not even have the time to say, this world is not our home. We need to be mindful that the clock ticks and it keeps going forward. And every moment that is past, we're going towards eternity. We need to be wise stewards. Making sure we make the most out of this life that God has given, that we live for Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for giving us this time to be in your presence. Thank you for the word that you have spoken to us. It is from your hands we've received. May your people take this word that you have invested into the spirits of this hour. And may they not squander it, Lord, but may, but may they follow through with it, O oh Jesus. May they meditate on this word that you have given all through this week and put it to practice, Father. Thank you, Lord, to truly be hidden in Christ and to be great in the sight of God. Even if nobody knows all the great things God has done in us and through us, that's fine. We're not living for this world. We're not living for people. We want to be great in the sight of God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Take a few moments in the presence of God. Let the Holy Spirit work in you. Surrender your life to God Almighty. Surrender your life to God Almighty. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Holy Spirit. If God has spoken to you, five of you can go ahead and pray. After that, we will pronounce the benediction. Five of you can go ahead and pray. Just commit yourself to what you've heard. And ask the Lord to help you. And just don't forget about today. But let this day be a life-changing day for you with what God has spoken. That's how we go from one place to the other. From glory to glory. From Broadway to narrow way. From displeasing to pleasing God, from being foolish to being wise, from being unstable to becoming stable, from strength to strength, being purified by the Almighty God. Everything that stains us must leave us. from what God has spoken to you today. Bring that before God Almighty and seal it in the presence of God so that it will never depart from you. Make sure that you follow through all through this weekend. Work on it. Thank you, Jesus. 
I'm going to mute myself. Five of you can pray. After that, we'll conclude. Thank you, Jesus.